can talk about anything. <laughs> that's usually not the problem, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Feel free to aim if you want us to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Lovis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we're creating that new future. Today, I'd like to welcome Kate Rosek, Summer, and Debbie Cohen, co-founders of Humanity Works, a leadership development organization that focuses on increasing productivity by bringing more humanity to the workplace. When working together is deeper and more connected, people give more of themselves and business wins. They are the co-authors of Humanity Works Better, five practices that lead with awareness, choice, and the courage to change. These five practices show, ex show people exactly how to shift behavior so that everyone from employees to the C-suite work better together to produce great business results. The world of work has changed tremendously. Where work is done, how work gets done, and the relationship people have to their work have all changed. And there is no going back. Debbie and Kate work with organizations on the forefront of catalytic change. Those committed to fostering human-centered organizations, knowing profits and people are independent, interdependent. Welcome, Kate and Debbie. This is so, I mean, this is just so amazing. I was just reading an email about Boeing and their, you know, the, the crashes that they've had and that what I was reading was actually that they lost their humanity. They started focusing only on profits and lost their connection to who their clients were, the, the people that fly and the, the passengers and were only focused on, on profits. And so I am looking so forward to, to hearing what you have to say about Humanity Works. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, You're welcome. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be here. You know. You know, I think what you're raising is the question that happens, you know, they're the conversations for those who have sat in those C-suite rooms or in those project management rooms, and you feel the reaction of what happens when something terrible like a plane crash happens. Um, and one of the mindsets, which is um, we offer four different mindsets in our book and often where we go in our training is where, where is our thinking initially oriented and coming from? And when we think about capitalism, when we think about the origins of companies and what they're formed for and the nature and evolution of those in the world of business, it is a mindset to stop and say, what is the outcome? One of our four mindsets, what's the outcome we're trying to create here? And what are the implications of these decisions, not just toward our shareholders and our profits, of which the people sitting in that room are responsible for, mm -hmm. but also for 
the bigger ecosystem, the global economy, the people that are a part of the, the you know, organization that bring this to life? What are we signaling uh, through each of these moves? And I think there's a heightened uh, responsibility inside those rooms for a, a broader impact than just the bottom line. Exactly. That is so, Debbie, that, that's so true because we are, we are losing so much by that single issue focus of how do we maximize profit to the exclusion of everything else. Yeah. You know, one of the um, practices that we offer in the book is about um, uh, taking responsibility for what you create. It's owning your impact. And for so long, what we've rewarded are short-term impacts. Mm-hmm. Are you moving the needle economically? And we get it. Like profit, profitable companies, it's, how, what, it's, the, it's what keeps the machine moving. Uh, we understand that. And um, there's just been a heightened awareness, and it probably starts in the boardroom, of holding people accountable for the impact they're creating that is not just economic, but looking more systemically to what drives the outcomes of that success. Well, and we wrote this book uh, for the individual. We wrote this book for you, whoever you are. And I think that one of the dynamics that can also happen is that when things are happening at that higher level, and maybe you're at that mid-level or even in a slightly lower level, you start to kind of um, think that the problem is with them over there. Um, but the truth of the matter is, and we write about this and the model is focused on, you are the only thing that you can control. <laughs> so what part of the organization, what part of this dynamic can you control? And the only thing that you can control is you. And the thing that is like, this is like one of the little secrets that nobody ever really talks about, but we are, is that when you start to change, so do the people around you. And so that's, we really wanted to write about like, what can an individual do to start to change their organization, to start to change their little piece of that organization. And so that's what the five practices are really focused around. How do you create safety? How do you work together more effectively? How do you claim value? What Debbie just talked about it a minute ago, how do you own your own impact? And then the last chapter is daring not to know, right? Mm-hmm. How do you, and all of those practices are related. We, we have not reinvented the productivity outcomes that we know are important because there's tons of research out there to show that those are important, but each one of those practices are, are related to productivity outcomes like trust and, and alignment and accountability and engagement and all of those things. But we connect those two things to feel good, focus on what can you do as somebody in that organization? How do you start to sort of create the change that you want to see? And so playing with the Boeing example, I think yeah. in the book, we talk about um, uh, the challenger disaster, yes. yes, right? And how the challenger disaster, there were people deep in that organization who, who knew of the vulnerability that was um, in place and either gave voice to it and it wasn't heard or didn't have the courage or didn't feel safe in their organization 
to give voice to it. And so to Kate's point, the book is written for you, that individual, to do what you what is aligned with your values and what's important to you. And for an organization to be aware that the collective whole creates that climate that makes it safe for that person to give voice to it. Um, and for people in positions of not knowing or in positional power to dare not to know that there might be something more here for you to learn and uh, and give heed to that might actually help in the help in the whole as opposed to yeah it's true and that's when you brought up that example Debbie that's exactly where I went to is the same place in the book I mean I really did and it's it's why it's it's really the first practice that we talk about how do you create safety for people to say maybe the unpopular thing the thing that no one else is paying attention to and we connect it to the outcome of trust, right? Everybody knows trust is important, but nobody tells you how you go about <laughs> to, you know, to do it or very few people. There are some really great academics out there that are doing some great work on that. But, but, but how do you actually create safety? And so it's one of those places where if you're a manager or a director of a, of a team of people, start there. How do you create safety for people to say those things? Um, and if people don't feel safe, then get curious about that, you know, mm. um, and listening is one of the skills that we attach, you know, to that, because if you really care, if you really feel like if the people around you really feel like you care and want to hear what they have to say, that goes a long way in actually creating safety, which will help you to create better trust in your team. Absolutely. And just to, to kind of play the devil's advocate, because there's lately there have been so many examples of the, the you know, the organization shooting the messengers, as it were. And so when we look at that, you know, as you say, as the individual, the only person you have that you can make effect any change for directly is yourself. When you change yourself, things around you begin to change. And yet imagine you're in an organization that really has, has taken on the focus on quarterly returns. You know, and that's unfortunately such a short-sighted focus. And what, what is there that you can do to create that within your team, to create a level of safety that may not get any place, go any further because the, the organization is so afraid to look leadership at is so afraid to look at anything outside of quarterly returns. Well, you know, we were on a, another podcast yesterday talking about the world is changing. <laughs> you know, we were talking about how like with the, the great resignation, which we're calling the great reset, right? The number of people that are leaving, there's fewer people to do the jobs that we need to do. I think that organizations are really being forced to look in places and look at how they are working with 
um, the people that are working for them. Um, and I think we're at the very, we call it the great reset. Cause I think we're at a very different place. Um, and, and I think that's, that's our new normal or our normal for right now mm-hmm. is, you know, how, how are you going to work with your people and probably how you used to work with them probably isn't going to work anymore, but where we focus people to look at who are reading our book, who want to make those changes is do what you can in the, in the purview where you have some responsibility and you will attract the talent that you need. If you start to create a world uh, or um, an orbit where humanity works better, I think you will attract a certain kind of talent. You'll have people knocking on your doors to see if you can work, if they can work on your team. And that's, that's really what I wanted to hear is you do what you can do wherever you are. And who knows what's what the bigger impact is going to be. And there's going to be an impact. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, we are huge proponents of, and seems to be the theme of this week um, is perspective, right? Where you sit and how you view what's happening is a perspective. It is Mm -hmm. not the truth. It is a truth. Mm -hmm. And there's always more to a story than what you see and what you think. And so one of the other mindsets that we write about is fear, is resistance, right? And it shows up in the behavior of people and it drives, it drives behavioral outcomes. And so a skill we offer is to get curious. What is that fear all about? And Jane, to your point, oftentimes, certainly in publicly held companies, the leadership are, are navigating to the short term, the short term, right? Quarterly returns. And, you know, I've certainly spent my time inside those organizations that navigate to that short term deliverable. Behaviors will look different in that organization. Mm-hmm. And to Kate's point, the world has changed. Careers are long. Talent is short. You know, how we do work, where we're doing work, all those things have changed. And so, is there an opportunity to start to shift that? Culture is the collective behavior. It's not just coming from the top people. You're reinforcing it by your behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you don't like that, get curious is an opportunity. What is that all about? Is there another way to do that? I'm noticing this is a disconnect to that. If we start moving closer to this, what might happen for us? Be curious. Have the courage to put your voice out there in whatever circles you're in, start being curious, not condescending, not blaming, right? All that does is reinforce the fear, right? So if you're trying to create a culture that is more, um, less fearful, safer, uh, then get curious. Listen for information, not through the lens of what you wanna hear. Get curious, how can you add be additive to moving something forward as opposed to just sitting blaming about how awful it is. Right? One of our favorite work for you, vote with your feet yeah. and go find someplace else, but don't carry your baggage along to that other place. Right. One of our favorite uh, quotes that we use all the time is the antidote to judgment is curiosity. So if you mm-hmm. find yourself, if you're in that place of being judgmental, you know, um, then, then just get curious, just practice being curious about 
what is going on and why is that person doing it the way that they're doing? Be genuinely curious and you'll start to shift, um, you know, that whole dynamic. And what would, what would better look like? What would that give you? Don't just be a problem poker, mm -hmm. right? Companies love people who help solve real problems. And so what's the solution? Right. Chances are that they don't know or else they'd be doing it. So if you've got a good idea, what's it like to put it out there? It, and I loved what you were saying about, you know, that there is no one truth. And no. as humans, we have a tendency to look for truth that reinforces what we believe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we can be curious and open up, what I'm hearing you say is, who knows what you'll find? You get more information. Get it's more. our practice of dare not to know. Yes. Right? Right. What might I not understand about this circumstance? Is there another perspective? What could be happening here that we're not aware of? What would it give me if I knew that? Mm -hmm. How could that help us be different? be better, get toward this outcome we're trying to create in a way that, you know, works better for all of us. I don't know the answer to that, but if your chances are, you're not going to solve it inside your head. So the skill of, of perspective is um, also in the book, but it's that idea that the topic is neutral, right? Mm -hmm. So money, politics, success, my boss, <laughs> <laughs> Those are just neutral topics, That's right? Right. Right. Just neutral topics, right? And and you probably have a perspective that you may not even be aware of is a perspective on that topic. That shows and up in your behavior. It does show. And mm -hmm. so, like, and that informs your behavior, the decisions that you make, how you talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. And so part of where we point people is that it's just a perspective. And if you found a different perspective and a different perspective and a different perspective, there is a little bit of truth in each one of them. No matter how diametrically opposed they might seem, there is a different perspective in each one of them. So it's a really terrific exercise to sort of get curious within yourself, you know, of what perspective am I stuck in about this company, about my boss, about what it is we're doing. Get curious about that. And then maybe you want to choose a different perspective because as Deb just second, said a second ago, that actually informs the decisions that you make, the ideas that you put forward or not. Right? It's a great tool for a manager or a leader to use with a team. Mm. If the team is stuck, like if they are stuck either waiting for mana to roll up roll out from above and they're annoyed and are focused on blaming. Anytime you hear blame, perspective is a good tool to roll out. If you've got resistance and roadblocks, perspectives are a good tool to roll out. And you could just be like, hey, team, the topic we're going to talk about is this. And I'm going to like, let's think about how many perspectives there could be about this. Um, and now at the end of that roundtable conversation, that could be 15 minutes, right? What are we taking away here? that might help unstick us and move us forward. Right. Like right. it's a fast little tool that we can use. It's like a little pie chart, right? Like have a slice of the pie and each one is a different, a different lens on that same topic. Right. You get to choose the perspective you want to be in as opposed to just defaulting to the one that you are stuck in. 
Right. Yeah. Which one's going to benefit you? Which That's one's right. going to help you move forward? That's right. As right. opposed to the I'm right about my perspective. It's, That's it's right. the right perspective. That's right. That's exactly right. And, 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 and when you start to play with perspectives, you start to see them everywhere. <laughs> you, know, you really do good, bad, and indifferent, honestly, you know, and, uh, you know, and so it's a really fun one to sort of start to play around with. Um, because as Deb said, when you find yourself in a perspective where you're blaming someone or you, you're not happy, that's, that's really the good one to get curious about. Whoops. Oops, Deb, you're on mute. Sorry, the phone was ringing and I didn't want to know they listened to the phone <laughs> ring. Um, we write about in the book, the real life story of um, a mid-tier, mid-tier manager one time that came in um, and I could just feel them at the end of my desk before I even looked up um, and they were in distress because leadership above them had made a decision to reorg their team. And this person had just gone through like, so much to build this amazing team of highly connected people who cared deeply about each other and supported the work they were trying to do. And they were just devastated and believed the leaders were wrong. And were really in a place of resistance that they could not go to their team and in all good faith say, this was gonna happen, it was a good idea, but they knew enough before they went to their team to come and talk. And really, it, we had to go through a whole journey of loss and grieving about what was going to change. And then to Kate's example, just a few minutes ago, we had to play with some perspectives, including what if they're right? And what if this decision is the right decision? It's just hard to see. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you then lead with honesty and integrity on the decision that you may not entirely agree with? But that's what your team needs from you, mm -hmm. that kind of honest uh, leadership. And it took a while for this person to find that narrative for themselves, um, but they did. And they went back to their team and, you know, they realized that what they had built doesn't have to be lost, but it's going to look different as they evolve, as the organization evolves, as change is needed. Um, and that's hard, hard, courageous work. And, and, and that's what's coming up for me is that, is that that's why our subtitle is our subtitle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, five practices to lead with awareness, choice, and the courage to change. I just want to say to your listeners that we know that this is courageous work. This, you know, the first time you have an awareness about something, you may not be feeling all that confident about saying that thing or doing anything about it. And that's why we put you at the center of our model in the sense that you know, first, what happens is you start to have awareness of, you know, what may or may not be working well within your organization. And then you get to choose, do I feel safe enough? Do I want to say something? Do I want to rock this boat or don't I, you know, and that's a zillion things are going to influence that. But when you're ready, that's when the courage takes place and you really get to sort of step in and try to be a part of the solution, as Deb was talking about earlier, um, and try to see if you can change your little piece of the world, you know, but awareness, choice, and the courage to change is, is this is not, this is not easy stuff. It's not, right. and we get that. Right. And sometimes choice is, as you were saying, you know, there's a whole process in going through choice and coming to 
this is what it is. And this is the action I'm going to take anyways. I mean, it's all like the the example you were sharing about the mid-level manager that the team was going to be reorganized. Well, that's what is. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you get to create, to choose and, and create that new future based on that what is. Yeah. That person got to be in choice about how their values showed up. That yep. person got to be in choice about how they showed up as a leader to this team, even if they would not be the leader of mm-hmm. them in a, in a sort of hierarchical sort of sense. They got to choose how they were going to show up. And making that choice was the courageous, was the courageous work for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, we were doing a, a keynote the other day and one of the questions from the audience came from somebody who said, you know, for underrepresented voices, for marginalized voices, it's not always safe. And it doesn't feel like we're in choice. That being quiet is the is the choice that we need to make. And part of our offering there is then our hope is that these skills are in the organization and that eventually it is a safer place for them Mm -hmm. to choose to put a voice forward because we realize it's not always. And people are always in choice about if they speak up or if they stay silent. That is always a choice. Exactly. Right, because it's always a choice to, to, at this point in time, not take any action. That's right. And there may be, as you were saying, there may be actions around that, choices that you can make to start building security, safety, so that it becomes a safe place to make that next level choice. The reality is there is privilege in our organization. Yes. The reality is there are roadblocks for full participation and change won't happen if we don't agitate it. And it's not always um, one person's job. It's the collective's responsibility to affect that change. Yeah. One of the things I'll just sort of share, because it's one of my favorites, is when Kate and I got ready to form the company, to name the book, and we were all passionate about humanity. And the researcher in me was like, well, wait a minute. Like, what does humanity actually mean? Like, is there a definition of this? And as we started digging into it, the interpretation we pulled from it is it is the interdependency of one another. As human beings, we don't exist on this world in isolation. And we can't, you can't survive. No one survives in isolation. And it is the interdependence. It's the profits and people. It is the productivity about your people. It is blame isn't all about them how I see it is also a part of what's happening here. And so this, for humanity to exist, it is this interlocking um, and interdependency that we have on one another and really identifying where those roadblocks are to that feeling fulfilling and uh, supportive. And And that's so true in work, right? If you think about it, you, nobody gets any one thing done on their own. You know, I I really, honestly, this is where I go into like, you know, I don't care if you're at the bottom of the thing or if you're in the middle of the thing, or if you're at the top of the thing, you know, um, all of you were needed to get that work done, which is why we felt like it really worked. 
in our company name and book title. I love that. And I love that explanation about the interdependency because you're right. There is, there's really no such thing as a self-made person. You know, as you say, babies would not survive without the, out somebody taking care of them. We would not learn to read. We would not learn all these skills. We don't just magically create this. And companies can't can't create their products without the different individuals. And team can't, you know, you very seldom have teams of one. And when that you do, it's like they're doing just, they're still doing just a piece of it. And they're still interdependent. The IT team needs to make their technology work and payroll needs to pay them. And, you know, nobody, nobody exists in isolation of others. We don't. And I love, I love that bringing that to the forefront of humanity works is it takes, it takes all of us. That's right. And that's why if something's not right in your workplace, that change we believe starts with you, Mm -hmm. how you see it, what questions you ask about it, um, you know, all of it. Yeah. Well, if you can believe our 30 minutes are up. (laughs) We do. We can talk about, we can tell how passionate we are on this topic. We get it. And that's, I, I just love, I just love it. So I would like to ask you what last piece would you each, and I'll give you each one to, to share. What would you like to share for our listeners today? What's coming up for me um, is uh, if you, um, if you see something, say something, right? There's a part of me that says that um, start small. I want you to stay safe. I want you to feel like, you know, you're okay. Cause I don't think courage happens without that. Um, but that, that, you know, there's a part of me that says, I dare you to just try something that's going to make your part of your world more have more humanity. And, 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 and we have five different practices. We have five different skills. We have four different mindsets. There are so many different places to just pick one thing and try it and then watch the impact that you create. That's what I sort of like want people to walk away with is to sort of, Ooh, I think I could make this better. So now I'm going to try to do these things to make this better and just just watch your own leadership blossom in that respect. Ooh, I like that. That's like dropping the little stone into the, the right. calm water and just watch the rib, ripples right. and see what the effect is. That's yeah. powerful, Kate. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I'm going to play on Kate's impact word because it's one of my most favorites. Um, and I think in the workplace in particular, there is so much emphasis on what we do, on our performance. And part of what Kate and I are trying to ignite in the world is that matters, but it's not enough. Mm. It's who you are being when you are doing the important work that you're there to do. That, that is the secret to success. And for so many of us, we've let other external forces determine what we think that's supposed to look like 
And part of what I would love to ignite in people, in particular women in underrepresented groups, is you get to choose who you are going to be when you are doing that work. Mm. And and to real and that starts with what matters to you. It's not just what you know how to do, but it's who you want to be, the wake you want to leave behind, how you want people to talk about you. When you are not in the room, you are in full control and in full choice of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that work starts with you. Absolutely. I mean, think of the times you've gone in to like ask a coworker or a boss or something, a question, and you just know they're in a bad mood. They're, They're working, but they're just frustrated about something. And then you go to ask somebody else and they're doing their job and they're really engrossed in it, but they're curious and they're, you know, they're, and it's like the, you may get the same answer from both of them, but the beingness of that person reflects on how you and your being how you receive that, that yeah. answer. And how you get to be with them in that crankiness. Back to that cranky, bad, bad yes. mood boss. Boy, if somebody just said, kind of feels like it's a hard day, what would that do for that person? Yeah. Right? What would that do for that person? To be like, oh, it is, but I don't really want to push that out on you. How can I help you? Right? It could shift yeah. how that conversation goes. And now they're like, man, Jane really saw me. Mm-hmm. Right. And good for her, man. I can really count on her. Yeah. Right. That you so always get to choose. It's not just about what you do. It is who you are being all of us when we are doing the important work of our, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Oh, thank you, Kate. Debbie. That was, that was so powerful. Thank you, Kate. This has been such a fabulous conversation. And I just, I, I am so in aligned, aligned with your humanity works. Things just, things work better when we're, when we're enrolled in what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for being part of the movement. Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate it.